walking by my friend, friend Susan, and she said, that's when you say, would you like chocolate or vanilla ice cream? <laughs> um, some of you know our family bred Springer Spaniel puppies last fall. It was the most fun we have ever had as a family together. What you may not know is the actual um, breeding procedure took place in our home, in our garage, because it was cold outside, and we really fully never intended for any of the kids to be a part of that process. My only excuse is that when you have three kids, there are a lot of things you never intended for them to happen, and they happen. So by the end of that um, little process, which by the way takes 20 or 30 minutes, you may not know that, um, all three kids were a party to that experience. And so our 10-year-old son, he walked away with a lot of questions. A lot of questions, most of which I cannot repeat on a Sunday morning, but um, they all culminated in one question, which was, Mommy, when you and Daddy bred kids, how did you do that? <laughs> and then, thankfully, a 10-year-old boy with a very kind of fast ADD mind, he very quickly answered his own question before I had to say, do you want chocolate or vanilla? Um, he said, I know, I know. I bet you had to do something really gross, like drink after each other. I was like... Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, we are in a series called You Ask For It, answering tough questions. And this morning, this is a question where I would like to say, would you like chocolate or vanilla ice cream? <laughs> Instead of answering this question. Um, on Easter, we took a survey. We asked for your toughest questions. What are some things that you struggle with, like you believe in God, but it's just hard to get past this one. And so today, we are answering the question, I've been coming to church, I've been praying, I've been trying to do everything right. Why isn't anything getting better? Or when is it gonna get better? I had a friend a couple weeks ago who said to me, Christy, I've been at this church for a while, I've done everything you guys have said. Like, I come, I serve, I joined a small group, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, and she said, everything in my life seems to be getting worse, not better. Have you ever experienced that before? So we are going to attempt to answer this very difficult, fragile question. I'm trying to come closer to God. It just doesn't seem like anything is changing. What happens with this question is we get to a place where we're like, man, did the church overpromise and underdeliver? Um, either I have to say, maybe I'm not trying hard enough. Anybody ever made you feel that way? Well, you just don't have enough faith, or you're just not doing it right, or you're just not working hard enough. Or maybe God really can't solve my problems. I think that there is a third option for us to explore today. And I'm going to invite you first to pray with me because this is a big one. And then we're going to walk forward in a kind of an intellectual way, but then kind of a very practical way with this question. Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you. And God, we acknowledge that your thoughts are so much greater than our thoughts. And yet, God, we have to live with ours. And so we have doubts and we have struggles. And God, I'm just so thankful that when we have hard questions, you don't get angry at us or frustrated. God, as sometimes we might as a, as a physical parent, but you invite us closer. You invite us to come close when we have doubts and to touch and to see and to feel and to know that you are God. God, you promise that when we seek you, we will find you. We come seeking this morning, Lord. And God, you promise that when we call unto you, 
you will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we have never known. So God, I pray that this morning over our church family. Would you show us something new this morning from your word? In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I didn't ask for this question. Um, I have been in a process for the past couple of months writing a book with my sister, which has been very interesting. We are polar opposites. And so we've been doing a lot of research. And when um, Jeff mentioned this question, he said, baby, that's exactly what you've been researching. Why don't you take on this question? Um, and so I have so much that God has been showing me that I'm just honored to get to share a glimpse of it with you today. And I feel like, gosh, I keep learning things that I wish I had known 20 years ago. And so I, I, what I love in our young church is we get to do a do-over through y'all. You get to learn from all of our mistakes and kind of have a fresh do-over. So I'm going to invite you to walk with me through this process as we attempt to answer this question. Now, we're going to try something new today, and um, I'm going to need you to be interactive on it, all right? I'm going to give you all permission to steal an offering envelope. You just wasted 14 cents of God's money, so you can give that back later. Um, but you're going to need to write in one hand, and then in the other hand, if you have a smartphone, you may want to look up a few of these verses. Like if you can get in that Bible app where you can very quickly find different books, I'll try to let you know what scripture we're reading so you can write at the same time. Some of them will be on the screen, so if you don't want to participate, don't worry. You can just listen, and you'll, you'll see some of it up on the screen. Um, what do I do when what I feel like God has promised me, what his word says, is very different from my reality? You ever had that? Like you have a gap between theology, what the Bible says, and reality over here, what I am currently experiencing. And when that gap lasts longer than a few days or a few weeks, we get impatient as Americans. You know, when I first started research for this book, I sat down with a counselor, and one of the first things she said to me, it was not very encouraging, um, but I thought it was kind of funny, she said, only in America do we expect life to be easy and good when we wake up in the morning. She said, people, anywhere else in the planet, you wake up in Africa on a dirt floor, you don't wake up expecting life to be easy and good. You expect to walk three miles to get water that might be dirty and walk back. Um, so, so maybe for the guys, I thought I'd let you off the hook. And you know, if you just believe that life is hard, suck it up, do hard things, you can just go to breakfast, okay? Um, if you need more of an answer, then hang with me for a little bit, okay? We're gonna go back to the very beginning of time to the very beginning of the Bible, very beginning of our story as human beings, to try to understand this. In Genesis, and this one is going to be on the screen, Genesis 1:26, God is creating the earth. And so far he's been saying, let there be light, and there is light. Let there be stars, and there were stars. Let there be this, 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 and it's all appearing. And all of a sudden he pauses in his creation process, and he says, Genesis 1:26, then God said, let us Make mankind in our image. Now, it's kind of weird. God's talking to himself, and God says, let us. Why would God say us? Why is he talking to himself and referring to the plural? The, the basic Christian belief for, for centuries has been that God is a trinity. God has three parts. You have God the Father. You have God the Son. My, my, my writing's very messy. I'm sorry. Um, and you have God the Holy Spirit. 
It's upside down? Oh, that's hilarious. I love it. Okay. You have God in three parts. The Father, I'm going to make this real easy, the Son and the Holy Spirit, but he's all one. The best way I explain this to my kids is it's like an apple. You have skin, you have the flesh, you have seeds. It's all one apple, but there are three parts and three different functions, all right? So when God pauses and says, let us make man in our image, and we understand that there are three functions to God, he's a trinity. He's a relationship all in and of himself. That when he made us, wouldn't it make sense that maybe there are three parts to us, that maybe we're a little more complicated than a plant, um, if we were plants, this conversation would be real easy. It would be the solution to your problems would be water and sun and fertilizer, and you're done, all right? But because you are a little more complex, the answer is a little more complex. So God says in Genesis um, 2-7, it says, The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. He formed our body. You're going to love my body picture. All right, here's our little body. Um, that's one part of who we are. We see that, we touch that, we taste that. Your body is your, um, your sense awareness. It's like everything you touch and see and taste and hear. So body is our sense awareness. But then it says that God breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living person. And when God breathed into us, he made our body out of dust. That's kind of important because we start from dust and we go back to dust. So we shouldn't give our body a whole lot of say in what happens in our life. All right, especially as you get older and it starts to hurt and fall apart. Um, but God breathes into us the breath of life. And when he does that, we take on two more components that I'm going to attempt to draw for you. And you can draw these on your offering envelope if you want to. You have a body that is your sense awareness. You have a soul, and your soul is your other's awareness or your self-awareness. And then you also have beyond a soul, you know, even your dog has a, a mind, so to speak, and your dog has a, a will, mine does. I don't know about yours, but mine does what he wants to do sometimes, and sometimes he does what I want him to do. Um, and emotions, that's your, that's your soul. Sorry, my writing's messy. All right, now, I don't know how to draw a spirit because I've never seen one, but in my mind, it's something shiny or bright, and so this is a spirit. And here's what happened when God made us. When God made us in the very beginning, we had a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our spirit was our God awareness. All right, so we have sense awareness, what we see, touch, taste, all those things. We have a soul, we have others in self-awareness, we have a mind, we have a will, we have emotion, and then we have a God awareness. Now, in the very beginning, all of that that God made was good. If you read the account of the creation in Genesis, it keeps saying, and God said it was good, and God said it was good, and God said it was good, all right? I think this is important for us to kind of know about the heart of God. God never intended for us to know evil. It wasn't his perfect plan and his perfect intention. He made everything good. But as the story goes, there is this 
tree in the garden with Adam and Eve, and God says, you can eat anything except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they ate of that tree, they would die. Well, Eve eats it, and she doesn't fall over. But what happens is, all of a sudden, for the first time, she became aware that there was evil in the world. And when she did, her spirit within her died. She became spiritually dead. She didn't physically fall over, but she became spiritually dead. And her soul started to be depraved, and her body started to decay. Sin came into the world, and the thing that God had never intended for us to ever have to experience evil was a reality. Now, the other thing that I think is really weird about this story in the beginning of the Bible is there was another tree. It was the tree of life. And um, if you've ever read through the Bible, you get to this one chapter, it gets kind of weird that God put an angel in front of the tree of life and wouldn't let anybody eat from that. Um, the reason is because once we experienced evil, God didn't want us to have to live with that longer than 70 or 80 years. All right? Um, we were dead spiritually. We have a depraved soul that, and a body that's decaying. And God said, I'm going to put a cap on that 70 or 80 years. But in the beginning of that very beginning story in history, and I promise you I'm going to get, I'm going to get practical in a little bit, God gives us a little glimpse of a promise that is coming. Genesis 3, chapter 15, he says, someday somebody is coming in a body and he is going to pay for our depravity, our sins. And when we make his payment, payment for us, when we make Jesus the leader and forgiver of our life, something happens. Scripture says this spirit that is dead, it becomes alive. Ephesians chapter 2 explains this to us. It, it goes into great detail that we were dead in our sins, but because Christ came in a body and died on a tree for us, we are able to be made alive with him. So you start coming to church. You hear, like last week, Jeff share a message about how Jesus is the answer for everything that you have and everything that you're facing in life. And you make Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life. And you are on cloud nine, hurrah, because your spirit is now alive inside of you. And then you get to work on about Wednesday and the bottom breaks out and you get a call from your ex-spouse and things get complicated and all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, how was I doing so good on Sunday? And why is everything falling apart right now? Because your, your spirit is alive, but your soul and your body are still broken for about 70 or 80 years. You can suck it up and do hard things. Or you can do what um, Romans tells us that we can do. And just to make you feel better about this, Jesus himself when he was on earth. Do you know he said, my, right before he died on the cross, he said, my soul is in anguish. Like, I want to do what's right, but I'm having such a hard time doing what's right. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Like, the, the spirit, what happens is the spirit and the flesh, they start to go to battle over your soul. 
And that is what happens while we're here on earth, is that the spirit and the body, the flesh, they are doing battle for your soul, for your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is how it's described in Romans chapter 8. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ. I think this is so important for some of you who feel like you're living with guilt and shame and I'm not good enough and I haven't tried hard enough and that's why nothing's getting better. No, no, it says there's no condemnation for you. Your spirit is alive and sealed and you will live forever in heaven someday with no pain, no tears, no sorrow. But while you're here on earth, it says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, we just sang about this, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses couldn't save us because our, our soul and our body, we couldn't keep that law. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body just like we sinners have, and that body declared an end to sin's control over us. He did this to remind us that we no longer have to follow our sinful nature, but instead we can follow the Spirit. And it goes on to explain, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I'm going to need you two guys right here, right on the end. Are y'all brothers or friends? Can you come up here real quick, real quick? All right, come on up here. This is how we're going to illustrate this. And I need, uh, who can I, I need a big guy, big, strong guy right here. We'll take, yeah, you got muscles, you'll work for us. Okay, let's just, y'all come right up here in the front. Let's pretend you're going to be the body, all right? You're going to be the spirit, all right? Let's pretend y'all face each other, that y'all are playing tug of war. Can you pretend that for me? Like you've got a rope between you. And I don't know about you, but my body is a lot um, louder and stronger sometimes than my spirit. So it's good that you're just a little half inch tall. It might be your hair. I don't know, but you might be a little half inch taller than him. All right? If they were playing tug of war, would it be pretty even? Would you kill him? No. You think you'd win? He thinks he'd win. All right, so body thinks he's going to win. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring the heavy in over here. And what I get to do every day, if these guys are wrestling body against spirit in kind of a tug of war over my soul, I get to decide where I place the heavy. If I place the heavy over here, then the body's going to win. If I place the heavy over here, by the, you get a picture of that? If he were to grab onto the rope, what would happen? You're strong, but look at his arms. All right, y'all give me a high five. That was very helpful. Thank you very much. You guys can sit down. Give them a hand. Um, when you become a Christian, it does not mean that your spirit is alive and your body, all your sinful desires die. When you become a Christian, what it means is you are able to get in the battle. You will still have sinful desires and that will frustrate you and confuse you and you won't understand why on Sunday I feel one way and on Monday I feel a different way. Why is that? What it means when you become a Christian is that now the spirit is alive and you are able to do battle for your mind and your will and your emotions. 
And so every day when we wake up, we get to decide where we're placing the heavy. Are we going to place it on our body, on what we can see, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we hear people say to us? Or are we going to place it over on the spirit? And I'm, I'm going to go practical with you for a second. And y'all are going to be like, Christy, for real, that's all we're getting today? Hang on, I'll give you one thing that'll help you at the end, all right? But in order to listen to the Spirit, there are just some very simple, basic things. We say them over and over and over and over and over and over again. Some of them Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew chapter 6. He said, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. Three things that Jesus just assumed we were going to do. Now, I don't know how you grew up or what prayer means to you. Um, some of us, we just went through a small group on prayer. And, you know, for some of us, prayer was just, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Some of us, it's something we do when we eat. Something it, it's, some of us, it's something we do when we're in trouble. Lord, help. Um, prayer is something that awakens and makes the spirit bigger and stronger. And I don't have time to teach you about it or get into it right here, what I would say is if prayer or giving or fasting, those are like weird concepts that you're not sure if I went home, I would know how to do that by myself. My best advice, stay and go to that rooted class. It's on the land, two of the most amazing teachers that you've ever met in your life, and they're going to teach you how to pray. They're going to teach you how to open God's word and apply it to your life. They're going to teach you how to maybe, you know, fast from some things like I'm going to quit looking at Facebook 24-7 and I'm going to spend a little more time looking at God's word. And so when I, when I say those things, if those are kind of odd concepts to you, I, I don't know what you're doing for the next seven or eight weeks, but I would just spend your 1130 over there because that seven or eight weeks could set you up to win this battle for the rest of your life. If you just come here and sit here, you're going to continue to feel frustrated for a longer amount of time. Another thing, just very basic, um, is worship. Do you know what we just did when we sang together? That is not just a time filler. Like, we got to have something to take up church, so let's have music. And Jed's really awesome, so let's have more of that. You know that you have about 40 different thoughts a day, and you can only have one thought at a time. I don't know about you, but even when I'm trying to read God's word, my mind is bouncing all over. When I pray, my mind bounces all over, and I can't, like, stay on that. But when we worship, especially corporately together, do you know, like, every, you know what's engaged? Like, we're hearing we're seeing, we feel like we're engaging all of the senses. And I don't know about you, but my mind was just completely focused on, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Like not one physical flesh thought was able to get in for five minutes. That's what worship is. It's us focusing on how big God is so we can quit telling God how big our problems are and we can start telling our problems how big our God is. That's what worship is. Another practical, God's word. And I understand this is something that is complicated. It may have been used against you. 
You may have respected somebody that taught it to you and they wounded you and hurt you. I know there are all kinds of things when, when we talk about, there may be parts that you're not sure you believe. There, there may be parts you're not sure you uh, can agree with yet. And again, I would say go to that rooted class. <laughs> Listen, we can't win. We can't win this battle for our soul without God's word. I mean, you have to know the places that you're broken. And you have to know the truth that fights every broken lie that's ever been attached to your soul. See, what happens in our broken world is we get wounded and we get broken in our soul. And lies attached to that woundedness. I met with a girl about a week ago and she said, my father left me when I was young and for whatever reason he chose to have no relationship with me. And so I lived every day believing that I was unloved and I was not good enough. She said, I didn't have the spirit growing up, so all I had was the body, and I just, what I saw and what I heard, and, you know, I tried to fill that void, and I made a lot of choices. I wish I, you know, could go back and undo, but that's my reality. That's where I am. And so she said, it's taken me probably 10 years <laughs> that I've had to go back and attach a truth to every lie I ever believed and made, made a choice that hurt my soul. You know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal your mind, to kill your will, and to destroy your emotions. And the only way we beat him is with God's word and with truth. And that's a process. It's a process. There's a verse in Ephesians 2, um, I skipped over it, but I really want you guys to see it. It says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. A masterpiece doesn't happen overnight. You don't make a decision on Sunday and your spirit is alive and bam, your soul is fixed and your body is fixed. See, see here's, if I could explain it this way, in a moment decision of belief that Jesus is our leader and forgiver, our soul is fixed forever, okay? It doesn't matter what you do, that is fixed forever. You are looked on as a child of God, you are forgiven, and there is no condemnation for anybody who is in Christ. So you will stand before him someday blameless. First Thessalonians says, I pray that God will keep your soul, your body, and your spirit blameless until the day of Christ, and he will do that, all right? So your, your spirit is fixed, but your soul and your body are broken. And I wish, because I'm an American, I wish that God would just snap his fingers and fix my soul and fix my body. But here's what I know after walking with God for a long, long time. That process of becoming a masterpiece. First of all, if you weren't broken, it wouldn't be as beautiful when he was finished putting you back together. That process is when we get to know who Jesus is. See, he, he fixes our soul, but he leaves, he fixes our spirit, but he leaves our soul and our body broken so that we have no choice but to either give in to the body or to fix our eyes daily on Jesus. 
I sat with a group of women from our church and we were doing research for this project. They were sharing their life stories. And I just want to say we have some of the most amazing women in the world in this church, in my church. Some of the most amazing stories. And guys, I know you do too, but I don't get to hear yours face to face like Jeff does. I sat face to face with these girls who I'm telling you, like by the end, I, t I brought a friend with me and she said, Chrissy, I'm going to need counseling after that, <laughs> after hearing their stories. Like it was, one girl wrote on a napkin um, her life. I mean, it started like incest, age seven, rape, age 10, father left, age 12, teenage pregnancy, abortion. I mean, it just, I, I looked at that napkin and I was blown away. And then I got a smile on my face and I said, you know what? You look like you belong in the line of Christ. You know the only women listed in the line of Christ? They were, they were victims of incest, of rape, of, of sexual abuse, of being abandoned by their fathers, by their countries. And as I sat there hearing their stories, here's what I learned from these women. I learned that they talked about Jesus like he was sitting right beside them, like he was their best friend. Nick, who's teaching our Rooted class, she talks about Jesus. It's like, does he live in your house? Like, you talk about him like he's right there every day. And I, halfway through, I asked him, I said, if, if y'all hadn't experienced this brokenness, would you know Jesus the way that you know him? They all shook their head and said, no way. No way. Another thing I learned is that um, they said it took time. <laughs> we don't like that answer. It took a process. You know, one girl kept saying, you know, I've been doing this. I've been trying to fix my soul for 10 years. 10 years ago, I was a mess. I was falling apart and the body was winning. She goes, now I would say 50% of the time my spirit wins. The other thing they said is they said they could not have ever, ever done it alone. I want you to listen to this scripture real quick, and then I want to just offer up an opportunity for you. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily traps us up. Everything the body falls for. Let's try to get rid of that. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer. He starts our faith. And he's the perfecter. That means a process of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. By the way, do you know what he does there every day for you? He prays for you. He lives at the right hand of his Father 24-7, just saying your name. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Anybody feel weary today? Like, soul weary. I'm not talking about just like body tired. I'm talking about soul tired. If you're tired of battling and you're like, God, I know you're real and I know you love me, but when? When am I going to get some relief here? 
in my soul, in my body. Listen, he, he fixes the spirit so we can win. He leaves our soul and our body broken so that we have no choice but to fix our eyes on him. The author, the, the pioneer, and the perfecter of our faith. If he started it, he will finish it, scripture says. That verse about the masterpiece says we can win, we can. It doesn't mean that we will in our own flesh, but it does say that he will win. There is one word, one word that I feel like God gave me this morning to pass on to you, and it is the word perseverance. And I want you to know that it is not because you're not trying hard enough, it is not because you don't have enough faith that everything hasn't come together for you. It is not because God is not real and powerful. It is this word perseverance. There's a, a little equation I write. I have it in my journal and I flip back to it all the time and I put it on sticky notes and I write it everywhere. And guys, if we can go back to the whiteboard real quick. Um, it's simply this, that faith plus perseverance, hopefully I'll spell it right, equals promises. Meaning that faith alone making Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life, yes, that seals you for forever, but if I quit in this life, if I don't persevere, I don't get the promise. And if I just persevere, if I just do hard things, guys, y'all are good at that, Without the faith component, without my eyes on Jesus, then I don't get to the promises. It's faith plus perseverance equals promises. And here's what the promise is. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to illustrate this real quick, and we'll be done. I had two grandmothers. Um, both of them had very hard lives. One of them had children that were bound in alcoholism and could not break free and lots of mess in my family that I came from. She, this particular grandmother was so focused on herself. She was beautiful, by the way. She was so focused on herself, what she saw, touched her. She was so focused on things of the flesh. And finally, Life and the flesh and the brokenness of our family was too much for her. She took her life in suicide. What was so sad to me was that I am not kidding, like six months after she took her life, everything she'd always wanted, like God just did so fast. Her child who was stuck as an alcoholic got his life turned around, married this incredible woman. And I remember thinking like, Oh, if she just knew what was right around the corner, I mean, right around, if she had just persevered a little bit longer, she would have been able to celebrate so much of God's faithfulness. Had another grandmother, hard life too. Mother died when she was three. She had a stepmother who was abusive. Her father was a pastor. This is really sad to me. Um, he would not help her and stop the abuse because if he did divorce this woman, he would lose his job as a pastor. And so he put his church above his child, and she ended up having to run away at age 12 and take care of herself. Um, 
in God's grace, a family took her in, loved on her. She became the most amazing wife and mother and grandmother. I mean, like she had baggage. She had issues. She had brokenness. She should have been living out of lies and causing trouble for the rest of us. And instead, she lived her life letting this spirit. I never saw a woman who served more, gave more, worshipped more. The last thing I remember, and it's kind of funny. I'm trying to use this iPad, and I don't know if I'll ever do that again. That was kind of difficult. Um, the last thing I remember of that grandmother, Grammy Jean, my cousin sent me a video on this iPad. I remember watching it. Her very last words, her very last breath, she was singing a little song. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his precious name. That is why I really love him so. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I don't know why God is delaying fixing your brokenness. I do know this, the process, when you look back someday, it is the sweetest I know that Jesus promises to always be with you. He promises to walk with you through it. He will be there. The other thing he promises is he left something behind that is called the church. And I, I'm going to ask everybody in the second row right here, will y'all just line up across the front right here? Everybody in the second row, I'm going to put y'all on the spot a little bit. And I'm going to ask you just to line up here across the front. You can face the audience. And I want to read you one verse in closing. Um, and here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. I know, guys, this is a little weird for you. I'm going to ask you all to hold hands. All right? Just grab hands. And this is going to represent the church because here's what I want to leave you with. At the end of Hebrews 12, it says, so take a new grip. Right after it tells us to persevere. It says, take a new grip with your tired hands. This is Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Jesus promises to always be with you. You can fix your eyes on him, and he's not far away. He's, he's right here beside you. The other thing he promises, and he set up this thing called church for us, it's not about you attending. He doesn't care if you're here or you're not here. He wants you here, and when he says take a new grip, he doesn't mean like go home and white knuckle and try harder to do what's right. He means take a new grip with your church family, some other believers. And when this one is weak or this one is weak, the ones that are strong, they're going to hold you up and carry you through. That's the last thing I learned from talking to these girls is they said, I would have never, ever, ever made it without looking across at somebody and somebody else saying, me too. That happened to me too. Y'all can sit down. Why does it feel like I'm doing everything right? Why does it feel like this is what the Bible says and this is what my reality is? Because God has a purpose for your brokenness. And in our perseverance, we get to know Jesus as 
a healer and we get to know him in a way that we would not. God never intended for us to know evil, but he can use it for good in our life. And you can gut it out and white knuckle it and try harder yourself, or you can grab hands with people around you. There are three great options for you just practically going forward. One, we have a thing called All Access Coffee tonight. If you're new to the church, you can come to that. You don't have to RSVP. You can just show up. Next week, we start um, small groups. We kick off Rally Day, an opportunity for you. You know, guys, I just want to say something real quick, and I know I'm done and out of time. When I sat with this group of women, what broke my heart the most, they were all on a path to healing, and none of their husbands were. I don't say that in a, I, I, I just said, why? And they said, because they don't have anybody to talk to. They don't have anybody. They have to, and guys, listen, you fight battles we don't even understand that you fight. Girls, listen, we don't know the battles he fights for us. We don't know the pressure and the stress that he is under in a world where, listen, his body, his eyes, his ears, his mind is under attack. And we've got to fight for him. But guys, you need another guy who understands your world and can fight for you. My church is a place where more men find healing than any other place. Usually dudes don't get healing in church. Because women make you hold hands and stuff like that and you never come back. <laughs> All right. But this is a place where there are real men who aren't perfect, but God is perfecting them. And we want you to experience what it's like to have somebody that's got your back. So you can sign up for a small group or listen, when this is over, you get McDonald's real quick and you go to Rooted. And for eight weeks, they will set you up for the rest of your life to win this battle in the spirit to fix your eyes on Jesus while we're waiting 70 or 80 years until he fixes the rest forever in heaven. We all pray with me. Heavenly Father, give us the strength to persevere. Jesus, we're going to need you to heal some places for us to be able to persevere. And so as a church family, we stand before you taking a tighter grip and saying, we're going to try just one more day, just one more week. With the help of this thing you've given us called the church. And Jesus, with our eyes fixed on you. Our Savior, our Forgiver, our Leader, and our Healer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Christy. I love my wife. So proud of what God's been teaching her. Um, we're going we're gonna to close out this morning with, um, with this last song. And if you're new to church, um, new to Bible study and, and opening God's Word together, um, can, I just, can I just state a fact? God is doing a lot of stuff in a lot of people. God is, God is, God is really growing and changing a lot of us. And I was reminded as Christy was sharing, there's one verse that I always sink my teeth into because when things get confusing, we need simple truths, right? When stuff's complicated, there's one verse, it's found in Thessalonians um, 5.24. I, I, I forget the reference most of the time, but I looked it up. 
But it says this, faithful is he who has called you, who will also do it. So in those days when we're blowing it and we're feeding the flesh and we're not feeding the God activity in our lives and we're, we're like, God, I'm lost because I've not been pursuing you. Here's, here's the thing that we can fall back on. When I'm faithless, he'll always be faithful. God has been pursuing us. And maybe today, by you even being here, it's an example of God's been pursuing you. You didn't get here by accident. You didn't get here, I don't think anyone walked this morning. If you did, you, you definitely didn't get here by accident. But if you're here this morning, it proves God's faithfulness, right? And so sink your teeth in. When we fail, when, when, when we're weak, he is always faithful. And in the process of your journey, back to God, growing closer, figuring out he is truly a dad and a friend, be reminded when we fall down, he is always, always there with his arms outstretched, ready to help and helping us. So I want to do this. Um, I want you to stand. I want, I want you to sing in this last song. Um, this song is one of our favorites Um, it's called Healer we're going to close in this moment we we will take an offering but that's 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 uh, that's on you on your way out today Um, we have plenty of ways to give and we're we're we're, if you've been coming for a little while we're we're making some adjustments around here we're 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 kind of we're kind of going to test drive not passing buckets and and, and letting first-timers, many of you are first-timers, not feel like there's a bucket and i got to do something. So that's, 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 that's kind of us trusting God that, that we'll make budget, so we're cool with that. God moves your heart and what you want to give, there's ways to do that. Um, and, and there's ways on the outside as you leave that you can, you can write a check or you know, some, hard, some hard form of a, I guess it's only a check. So, but I want, you to, I want you to sing this last song. I want you to... I want you to in this last song, acknowledge that you are here because God is faithful. And that however big your junk is, your struggle is, your pain point is, that however long it's been going on, do not let the enemy deny you knowing